This episode of Paper Team is brought to you by the 2018 Launchpad Pilots Competition. Now in their fifth year, the Launchpad competitions have helped 254 writers get signed, 81 projects get set up, 48 writers get staffed, and led to four bidding wars. When you enter your pilot script this year, you'll save $15 off your entry just by using the code PAPERTEAM, all caps, all one word, at the checkout as a special thank you to our listeners. For more information on the tracking board's current competitions and exclusive partners, visit tblaunchpad.com. Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, aka TV Calling. And I'm Nick Watson on Twitter at underscore NJ Watson. And today we're going to be talking about acting for TV with Jonah Shaw, who was in A Halt and Catch Fire, Being Mary Jane, Gifted, Keeping Up with the Joneses, and over 20 other TV shows and film. Welcome. Thanks, guys. I'm excited to be here. I, as an actress, we're always trying to figure out, well, what is the writer's point of view and how do we tap into their head? And so this is cool. That's like a reversal. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be really valuable for people to know. So. All right, let's get started. So tell us a little bit about your background. How did you end up in the industry and in L.A.? Sure. So I was originally made in China. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then when I was very young, I moved to upstate New York, then St. Louis. And I got bit by the acting bug when I was 12 years old. And I did a play called Rappin' Stiltskin. It was the rapping version of Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And me rapping was a funny, funny thing indeed. <laughs> Can we do a little rendition? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> man. I wish I remember. Um, oh, gosh. No, I, can't. I wish I could. <laughs> That's okay. Um, when I was choosing colleges, one of the main things I was looking at is where could I pursue acting? And so then I went to USC and I studied actually the business side of the entertainment industry. So I did a joint degree with business and cinematic arts and a theater minor. And then I've been really fortunate enough to get to work with amazing filmmakers and actors on various projects ever since. So yeah, it's been a a fun journey. What were your early influences to get into acting? Maybe some TV shows or movies that you grew up watching? Oh man, I loved like Xena Warrior Princess, Hercules, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. VR Troopers, Power Rangers. Oh, so many. And uh, for me, Lucy Liu uh, also inspired me. I remember my parents are kind of traditional, very traditional Asian parents. And I had, I would just have so many fights with my parents growing up because, you know, they just wanted what was best for me, but they were like, okay, this acting thing is just like a, it's a phase. It's just going to be a phase. <laughs> like, yeah. you'll get over it. And I'm like, no, like, I, I, this is, I love this. Like, I love being a storyteller and being part of these amazing worlds. And, and my dad at one point, he was like, look, maybe if you were white, I would be open to it. Maybe. But he was like, but you're Asian and there's not really roles out there for you. And I remember like, I screamed, but there's Lucy Liu. <laughs> because I'm like, well, if, if she can do that, then maybe someone else can, you know? Yeah. And um, I'm thrilled that there is such a big push for diversity right now. So you've obviously gone down the path of being an actor. Have you also considered other things like writing, producing, directing, etc.? Yes. <laughs> I've produced a couple times. One of them was an independent project called A Beer Tale. And um, we got some different types of distribution, which was cool. It was a really fun learning experience. And for me, I, I think it's so valuable as an actor to see the other parts of the industry. And so I've worked in casting, representation, producing. I directed once. 
I just don't believe in my abilities <laughs> creatively as a writer or director. But in terms of like the business side, that's a side I feel very confident in. It's probably going to be a very broad question, but okay. in general, how do you feel actors get their break and can make a name for themselves and build a career or at least start a career? So I always say there's the ABC formula for guaranteed success. And people are, whoa, what's that? I'm like, it's actually really simple. A is your A-game mentality because you have to be able to push through the ups and downs throughout the business and your mindset makes a huge difference. B would be business know-how. So understanding how to get opportunities, how to create genuine relationships with people that want to collaborate with you and also have a strong team in your representation. And then C would be your craft so that you can deliver when you are given opportunities. And in the B, which is that business know-how, I always see it as, so it's, it's like this table of success. And this table is held up by these four legs. One leg, the most obvious leg is your representation. So that you have a team that really gets you and can help create some of those opportunities for you. And I use the word some because I don't believe that you should ever have to rely on your reps. I think they're super helpful and valuable to have, but you ideally want to be doing a lot and being proactive on your own. So another part is your branding is like what makes you stand out compared to other actors in your category and what is your niche that you can really market and sell and get known for. So people keep hiring you for that thing. Another leg is networking, building relationships with producers, directors, casting directors, people in the industry. And the last leg, it would be a little bit of that self-pitching using social media, like generating those kind of opportunities on your own. So I would say if you're not getting as many opportunities as you want, at least one of those legs is something that's maybe a little short and needs some work. That's funny. I think a lot of those things definitely apply to writers as well. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yes. So how important are workshops, training, courses, etc., to being an actor? And what kind of resources do you draw on in honing your craft? So on the craft side, I think it's extremely valuable. I've studied at a lot of different acting studios in town, like Anthony Meindl's Actor Workshop, Leslie Kahn's. And for me, it was great to like learning how to at first break down a script and just so many of the technical components and also classes and workshops are a safe place to just take risks. And I know at Leslie Kahn's, she talks about like dare to suck. <laughs> that was a big motto. Just dare to suck. Like, don't like worry about it. This is low pressure. We're supporting each other. We're here for each other. So just go for it. And you learn a lot by doing that. Just going back to representation, I'm curious to know what is that process like for actors? Because obviously for TV writers, finding their agent is a big step. And a lot of it comes down to a connection and yeah. also sending the right kind of material to them and having a good meeting. What is that process like for actors? For actors, I always make the analogy. It's kind of like pursuing an online date. Like the, uh, the writer or the actor is, you know, sending maybe possibly a cold message mm -hmm. to someone wanting their interest and wanting a meeting, aka a first date, if we use that analogy. One of my friends who's an amazing manager, his name is Mitch Clem, he says you need to dangle the carrot. So whether you're an actor or a writer, whatever it is, it is your responsibility to show and prove why they should work for free <laughs> for you until you sell a script or book, right? And so I like bullet points in terms of what are some career momentums, like having that in there. And you mentioned that personal connection. So much of it is a personality fit. And so I'm a big fan of you stalking, I mean, <clears throat> researching, <laughs> really researching the person that you want to have a, what ideally would be a long-term partnership with. And so... 
my current agent, we had met playing flag football. <laughs> it's a common interest we share. And there's a lot of things that we share in common in terms of our values, our ambition, just there's a lot that really works in terms of us as people. Like for instance, um, there was an actor who had no credits and the objection a lot of times would be, well, like you don't have credits. I can't represent you now, but uh, his name is Daniel, very new. And he researched this particular agent and found out that he really liked Halloween horror nights and they're both big fans. And so in um, the very first sentence or her, I think his subject line was, I love Halloween horror nights too, HHN. Cause I guess when you're really into it, you know, the acronyms <laughs> um, and then like three exclamation points, which normally would be like, well, that, that seems a little over the top, but the agent was like, wow, like, how did you know I loved Halloween Horror Nights? Like, do you, have you gone this year? Do you have material of any kind? No, I love that question. Wow. Do you have material of any kind? Like, he already started liking him as a person. Yeah. So he was like, just show me something. Like, you're like, I'm already partly sold on you. <laughs> wow. So I think that personal connection can't be lost. And when it comes to emails, I always recommend tracking your emails. There's a lot of free email trackers that you can use, like Banana Tag sidekick for Chrome so that when you send an email, you can get unspoken feedback. So let's say you send an email to a particular agent. If they didn't even open it, then it doesn't even matter what you wrote inside of it. You might need to change your subject line. If they opened it, but maybe didn't click on any links to your material or your website, that means your actual email itself was not compelling enough for them to spend time clicking the link. If they did click a link, that means you actually did a decent job in your pitch in your actual email and something in the material was not a fit for them or it just wasn't as strong as it could be. So there's like a lot that you can do in terms of the rep search process and taking control. So can you take us through the casting process for actors and how you actually get a role on a TV show and how is it different for say guest spots as opposed to recurring or lead roles? So some of the roles that I've booked in TV have been off of tape. That's become a lot more common recently. For larger roles, usually there it's more involved. So it might be a pre-read that's just with casting. Nowadays, a lot of pre-reads are on tape. So I'll do a pre-read and then there'll be one or more callbacks. And then in terms of the studio network test, you know, for studio, usually it's four to six actors that are testing for studio and then network, maybe two to four. And then the contracts are already negotiated by that point before you even test. It can be quite the extensive process. And there's been times where I auditioned for something or did a callback like weeks and weeks ago and I'll get a call and they're like, oh, you booked so-and-so job. I'm like, wait, what? Wait, 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 wait what was this? <laughs> and then sometimes it's literally been like the same day of the callback, I find out and then I shoot the next morning. So it's pretty varied, I would say. <laughs> so when you put up for a role, what kind of character description do you get? Is it something from the script, the casting agency? How does that work? Normally with the audition, it's coming from one of the online services like Breakdown Express, casting networks. And so usually I get like a synopsis and then there's like a character breakdown. So it'll say like the age, ethnicity, some adjectives, occupation, and a little bit about the role of the character in the storyline. And so sometimes I can usually tell when it's written by a writer <laughs> as opposed to written by like, for instance, Breakdown Express, where they mm -hmm. go through the script and write the character breakdowns. And so I tend to take the character breakdowns a little bit more with a grain of salt because I understand that a lot of times the writer did not write this breakdown. This is someone else's interpretation of the script. And so ideally, if I can get my hands on the script, 
which is pretty easy if it's a pilot. If it's an episodic, a lot more difficult. <laughs> so if it's just a TV episode, then I only have the sides to go off of and kind of make educated guesses. But if it's a pilot, like I'm actually prepping a pilot audition today and I got to read the whole script last night. So that was really helpful to get context. And you talked obviously about the importance of diversity. Are these descriptions usually colorblind or do they look for a specific type? And and I'm curious about your own thoughts on the whole process. Sure. So it's a mixture. So some of them are specifically written for Asian and I'll go in for those. For me, I would say about 50% of the roles that I audition for are open ethnicity. Kind of like that um, I get to do both. What are your thoughts on writers specifically writing ethnicities into a script for characters versus just perhaps leaving it ambiguous? I think there's definitely a time and place for both. So if there's a specific reason this character needs to be Asian, then great. But otherwise, I think it's great to see a diverse group of actors um, and then you can kind of just see whose personality is more of a fit because I think for a lot of like ethnic actors, diverse actors, me included, there was a period where I was like, well, I just, I just don't want to be pigeonholed as just like an Asian actor. Like it's weird. I I don't mean to say like, I'm more than just Asian, but <laughs> like, that's not the only thing that defines me. It's a big part of who I am and I'm proud of it, but it's not the only thing that defines me. And so I love that now we are starting to move into that place where, for instance, Asian male actors, that they can be the attractive lead, (laughs) which there hasn't been really many opportunities for them in the past. So I do see us moving in the right direction. Is it as fast as I would like? No, (laughs) (laughs) but I do enjoy seeing the progress that really has been made. And I've noticed pilot season to pilot season, there have been so many more opportunities. So let's say you are offered a role on the show. What Mm -hmm. happens next? In terms of on the business side, before we get into your own personal preparation, how does that go in through agents, managers, and so forth? So some of my auditions will come through relationships. I've built certain friendships with producers, casting directors, et cetera. And so they'll think of me for certain roles and they'll either reach out to me directly or they'll go through my reps. And then also I have an amazing team and they are very on top of like submitting on breakdowns, pitching. And so when they see something that's released on one of those online casting sites, they'll submit, they may pitch. And then depending on who gets the appointment, whether it goes through my manager or my agent, then I'll get an email. And then it has the appointment details, like what type of appointment it is, whether it's on tape for producers or like a director session or a chemistry read, whatever that is, they'll put all those details, the breakdown. And I like that they also include the breakdown for other characters that are in the script. So that also helps with context. And so after receiving that email, I'll confirm right away if it's something that I think would be a good fit. And then we go from there. And sometimes if it's a straight offer, then they'll send me the script, what the offer is, and I'll look at the material and then I may or may not discuss it with them in terms of whether to take on a particular role. Then what kind of preparation do you do as an actor before going into production? So what I like to do is... I read through the entire script and while I'm doing it, I'm taking a lot of notes for me personally. Like I have different characters that like my character has interactions with or things that I talk about. So if I reference my dad or say something about my dad and then he's in different parts of the script, then I'll make notes about his personality, things that get said about me and things that I say about other people and what I know about the people in the script from my character's point of view. And so that really helps me build the world and the relationships, which is a huge part of acting. And also just 
like little principles or values that I have according to like what I say and what I do in the script that really informs like that perspective on the character. And then there's, man, there's a, there's a fun word for it and I can't think of what it is, but I try to find like the one line in the script for my character that kind of reveals the most about my character. Like, you know, at the heart of it, this is who I am. And an acting teacher and casting director, Deb Aquila, I love when she said, in terms of the journey of an actor or the journey of the character, it's one thing to figure out is like, what does this character not realize or what does this character not know right now that they figure out later in the script? Like what what's really changed and how has their perception of themselves really changed? What was the lie that they believed? And so it's a lot of figuring out, we call like the white space, like, you know, what's in between the lines and figuring out really what's being said. And so the thoughts behind the characters and really filling that out to make the character three-dimensional. It's a bit like an internalized version of the character's journey on the right side. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if I, let's say I say something about like the pilot script I'm working on now, um, it's for a CW pilot and there's my best friend is my roommate and she's the lead of the story. And two years ago, she was, she was in a car accident that left her blind. And so for me, even though the details of that aren't written in the script, what I'll do as an actor is I'll visualize like what exactly happened? How did it affect her? How did it affect me? And really create that emotional relationship and connection to that situation so that when it's referenced, when it's talked about, it has an effect on me. And I also love to do improvs where like maybe me and an actor friend will get together and they're helping me out with the the script. And I'll be like, Hey, you play my roommate and let's improv an argument. Let's improv this. And I also love to imagine like, how did this relationship start? And just the major points of the relationship, like a high point and a really low point <laughs> so that we really get both sides. Does that process or does your job kind of change a lot between comedy or drama roles? There's some things that definitely stay the same, like creating the character world, et cetera. But definitely, I would say for comedy, I go a lot more technical. So I look for like the triplets, the plosives, the setups, you know, the jokes, the blows, lists, you know, doing like setup, setup, turnaround or joke. So there's, it becomes a lot more broken down in terms of the technique of it and really running it and making sure the timing is there. I love the analogy that drama is like art. And comedy is like science (laughs) and it really does feel like that sometimes. So it's like figuring out all the structure and then ideally if possible, like throwing it away. (laughs) So you're not in your head about like, Oh (laughs) yeah. Oh, it's so interesting. I hadn't thought about it like that before. (laughs) You're a scientist. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) At least I'm an artist. (laughs) How much do character descriptions on the page influence your choices about the character And how much input do actors get to have on that script and their characters? I I definitely pay close attention to the descriptions, especially if they're in the script as opposed to written by someone else uh, for the purpose of the audition. So I pay attention to that. And I do notice that there's a good number of times where I feel like I'm auditioning for something where there is a different version of the script out because what's in the sides, the audition sides, is a little bit different, like the description that's in the script. And so I definitely use that to inform my choices. So that becomes uh, something that I do really lean on. Like, okay, well, it says she's very positive. Like, okay, well, then if that's a filter that I'm using, like that helps with my choices. 
And yeah, do you ever get to kind of put your own spin on that or pitch ideas about, hey, what if the character is a little bit more like this to people? And how do people respond to that? Uh, Yes, I've been really fortunate enough to have great directors who were very open to me kind of trying out different things or like, hey, this is how I'm seeing this character. So for instance, I worked on an independent project. It's not out yet, uh, where I starred opposite Harry Shum Jr. And he and I actually did some rehearsals together before filming. Those rehearsals, we found a lot of depth and just unique little nuances with like, we, we both Uh, in the script, smoking weed is a big part of our lives and it's a big part of like our ritual. And so we suggested towards one of the final scenes in the film that actually has like a specific purpose in terms of the bond it creates between us and what the unspoken nature of like what's going on and what we're sharing with even passing like a joint (laughs) Mm -hmm. back and forth. And the director was like, yeah, let's try it. Let's like give it a shot. And so I haven't really had much resistance to saying like, hey, like, can we try it this way? And like, even like with Halt and Catch Fire, what was interesting was when I auditioned for it initially, she was written as kind of like a, it seemed like slightly stereotypical, like Asian nerdy character who's really smart. And so I like had my button up shirt and like my glasses. And what was unexpected was that she was so crude and (laughs) so ballsy. And I love that about the character. Well, then I went into wardrobe and I was a little surprised. You know, I thought I would be wearing a very like understated kind of like nerdy outfit, but no, the inspiration was Asian chola. (laughs) Oh, wow. So I was like, yeah, I was like, whoa, this is interesting. They've changed it since I booked it. (laughs) And I got to wear like, I look like a tomboy and like I was wearing like the backwards hat with like baggy pants and (laughs) I like the one button. (laughs) on the shirt, you know, with the button-up shirt, just one button and the rest of it open. And I was like, whoa, Asian Chola. Okay. And what I found out was that this character was inspired by someone that the writer knew in high school. (laughs) And so this is what inspired like the clothing choices and some other choices about the character. So that I thought that was fun. Like the journey that that character took even from booking to like the fitting. Uh, now, stepping back a little bit, can you talk us through the, the table read process for an episode of TV, who is invited, and what is the purpose of it? Sure. So the table read, from an actor's perspective, you have to take it so seriously <laughs> because people have been fired from table reads. That's the point where, you know, you like pretty much everyone's in the room. You got the writers, you got producers, you got the director, the cast. And it's really to see kind of how everyone is gelling. And also I think it is to confirm a fit is that like, Hey, we've cast this person, but like we can still change it (laughs) if we need to. And that doesn't happen like a lot, but I think it's really important for the writers to be able to hear their words said out loud by the actors that are going to be actually performing the role um, before production happens in case there's tweaks that happen. From my perspective, it's like slightly nerve wracking (laughs) because it almost feels like a final audition in a way, but I've been fortunate enough to have never been fired (laughs) after a table read. And it's just been a great opportunity to just get comfortable with everyone, especially since that's sometimes the first time I'm meeting everyone. How common is it that people get fired off of a (laughs) table read? I've (laughs) I've just heard about it and I know it happens. Because if someone isn't, like, let's say it's a comedy and someone's not really making the jokes work, (laughs) it's hard to justify and it's hard to say like, well, you know, they probably just haven't worked on it for a while. So we'll just give them a shot like that was too expensive to be shooting and having someone that might not be able to deliver what 
the script needs. And are there usually changes made through that table reading? In uh, my experience, there hasn't been changes made like while we're in the table read. It's like usually we just kind of read through the whole thing and then they make changes afterwards. When I've done multicam in front of like live audiences, that was an interesting experience. Like a while back, I did two broke girls, for instance, and we had a couple days of rehearsal and then the actual shoot. It was fascinating just seeing how many changes and like completely swapping out the jokes like while we're shooting like we shoot something and then the writers they're like oh maybe this will be funnier and then like they're a huge pieces of the dialogue just change right away and then you just try that out and there's so much change in front of the live audience which i thought was such a interesting cool process and also a challenge from a memorization standpoint <laughs> yeah. as an actor so being very comfortable getting line changes very last minute is mm -hmm. super important especially if you're going to work in that world so when you're on set, what is that interaction like with particularly the writers, but also the director as an actor? In my experiences, I've mainly interacted with the director. And then, you know, there might be some notes passed on from the writer to the director, but it's usually coming through the director. And so I'll usually discuss like character choices, motivations, et cetera, or any questions I have with the director specifically. Yeah, that's been my experience at least. Having been on a number of shows, do you see a difference between how much writers get respected from show to show or how their input is received without naming names necessarily? <laughs> <laughs> huh. Let me think about that. You know, when I'm on set, I don't really see that process so much. It would be hard for me to say, you know, they say like the project that you write is very different from the project that you shoot, which is very different from the project you edit. And so I'm a lot more involved in just the, the middle part, that shooting. And I don't see as much the background for me personally as to like what's happening in the writer's room. So you touched on this before, but what is that overall timeline from getting a job to shooting it to kind of being wrapped out and completely and done with it? Uh, it's varied quite a bit. I would say... With being Mary Jane, for instance, when I had booked it, then I was shooting, I believe, a week later was when I started filming. So I flew to Atlanta. I filmed quite a bit in Atlanta, actually, for film and TV. So uh, I would get my schedule, and then there was, like, a tentative date of, like, other dates that I would be needed for. And so I blocked that out in my calendar, book out in terms of my reps for other jobs. And I was on that show for several months, and... It was great to feel like one reason that I love TV, I love TV and film, but it just feels like such a family. And I definitely had that experience in a lot of the TV shows that I've gotten to work on, which is, I think one of the best parts is like that collaboration process. And then once we filmed, like, you know, we'll do a few different takes, uh, they'll switch the camera around, do touch-ups and after the day, then we wrap. And then at that point, like I'm not involved in like the editing process at all. So once I'm wrapped, that's kind of where my job finishes. Digging into the writing of it all, what makes a good scene for an actor? Hmm. I love when there's things that are not being said. You know, I think that creates a lot of fun, dramatic tension. At the same time, I do like to be clued in if a writer has a certain intention for a line that isn't obvious and that the script doesn't necessarily show. I personally do like it when there's like a mention of it, like said in this way or jokingly or whatever, if it's something that could be easily misinterpreted. And I think it is often misinterpreted in auditions. And I think that would make 
the actor's job, like even auditioning for it easier if they're on the same page as the writer. And in general, what makes for good dialogue for you when you're reading a script and you're like, yes, I can't wait to do this or, you know, just an interesting aspect of that. So for me in particular, I'm drawn to very like strong female characters and I'll go back to the indie project that I was doing. I think there was just so much like not being said. Like for instance, there was a scene where it's building to a moment later in the script where we, uh, me and my husband played by Harry, we have a huge breakdown in communication and we're screaming at each other. But before that, it was like all the underlying tension that in the dialogue it was creating, like things that he would say and me knowing like in my character that he's not being honest or there's something else going on that he's not telling me. And so being able to play in those moments of that white space where it's that silence, but there's so much going on between the two people. So I think in dialogue, like, yes, when things need to come out, having it be very direct, but then in between the lines, leaving space for the actor to create those silent moments that I think can be really gold when you mix that in with the dialogue. What makes for interesting characters in a script? I love characters that surprise you. So like with Julie Yang and Halt and Fetch Fire, you wouldn't know that she is as inappropriate and foul mouthed <laughs> as she ended up being. And so I love it when you find out about a character's background or there's something that surprises you or when you go, oh, that's why this person is the way they are, where you get these nuggets of information about what they've been through. When you can really relate to any character in the script. I think that's really powerful when there is, for me, when there is no true villain, you know, or true hero, that everyone is a little bit gray because I think that's how life is. <laughs> so when you're a regular on a series or even just in a feature, how do you kind of track your character arc throughout and how do you approach that, particularly if you're shooting these scenes out of order and you might have to do, you know, later in a feature, you know, you might have to do a really emotional scene early on and then later on you're earlier in the script. Well, what's that like for you? Yes, I think that really comes down to the preparation process. And for me, it's generally going from the beginning to the end of the script and really marking out like what are the significant moments, things that have transpired that have really started to change my character. And so that's kind of where the character arc is born. And so if it's like, hey, you know, on page 19, she witnesses this particular accident and this is how now she's affected from that moment on. So even if we jump later in the script, it's like knowing that that already happened and all the things that happened beforehand. So it makes it a lot easier to be able to just kind of shoot out of order and doing the preparation then for that later scene it's like really thinking back visualizing for me i do a lot of auditory things too like where things that were said to me by a character that really impacted me like if someone really hurt my feelings by saying like you'll never amount to anything like that's something that i'll like because we do this as people we repeat back what other people have said to us and we take it as like truth. So like that's something maybe I'll repeat to myself before maybe an emotional scene confronting this person or whatever dialogue that might be. And I think for me, what's worked is as an actor trying to take like the actor bits out of it and more like how would a human enter this? <laughs> so instead of just like memorizing lines and just, you know, before we shoot, let's say, just like reading and reading my lines. Like we don't do that as people when let's say we know that we're going to have a really tough conversation with our significant other. 
we're thinking about like, well, what's the best case scenario? Like what's the worst case scenario? And really living in that space as opposed to like, hear the words I'm going to say. I know how this is going to end. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And I think that's really fun is to create like the hope. Like for me, it's really creating the hope of what's possible. And then also like, like what's the worst possible thing? Because then there's just so many more stakes and it's so much more interesting to watch when someone's so invested in what's about to happen as a character. So you've already touched on this a little bit, but what are your thoughts and feelings on the writer dictating emotions or line (laughs) readings or even a scene direction in that script? Sure. I think that if it's a very crucial part of the script and there's not really another way that the writer can even fathom it being done, you might as well put it in there. (laughs) Because anyway, when uh, even before the actor sees it, you know, when like a development executive sees it or whoever's reading it, just make it easier for them to read. But if it's something that can be open to interpretation, I'd say leave it up to the actor because each actor, you know, we talked about branding a little bit earlier. Each actor will bring something very different and they might surprise you with like the choices they make that had you written it in and you were set on that, you wouldn't have gotten to see something that you might end up using. Are there any specific examples that come to mind? Without giving too much away, there is one of the final scenes in a film I was working on where at this point, my character has been through like hell and back. (laughs) And in the script, I think it was written that like, she was like crying at the top of it. And I felt like at this point, like after going through everything I'd been through and having time to reflect on it, I was like, you know what? This is something where I feel like I'm emotionally drained that like at this point, yes, I'm distraught. Yes. My life feels like it's over, but I don't really feel like I need to like be crying during this, that it's important that tears are coming out and I'm freaking out because I've already freaked out earlier. I think that this is the calm after the storm where I'm like, now that all this has happened, like, who am I and what am I going to do? And I kind of took a different interpretation of that than maybe another actor would. So I think that's an example, I think, especially with like the crying stuff. Okay. Yes. So the crying stuff, (laughs) Uh, I do have something to say for sure about this in general too, not just this particular script is that unless like you really, really, really need it. I think when a writer puts like, you know, she starts crying on like this particular line. I think it adds a lot of pressure for an actor that I don't think is necessary. And so often in life, like we're trying not to cry. (laughs) And so it's very unnatural if as an artist, we're like now trying to cry at this point when we should be trying to do the opposite. So how is your job affected by script revisions when they come in? And is that a big challenge for you? I've definitely had um, my fair share of uh, script revisions and Luckily, I was able to get them at least the night before most of the time. And so, sure, like each time I'm like, oh, okay, all right, um, get to learn some new lines. But luckily, I've had kind of the night before to be able to like digest and like maybe why these changes were made and how does that affect like maybe the differences in my character if some of my dialogue has changed. So for me, it hasn't really thrown me off too much. In general, what else in the writing of a script is helpful for actors and what hinders them or maybe just is irrelevant and doesn't need to be in there? I'm someone that believes that there's freedom and structure. So what I mean by that is I like having like little nuggets of information about their backstory. Like I like having that. I know some actors want like a blank slate so they can create whatever they want. But for me, I actually thrive when 
I'm given these clues. And then from those clues, I'm like, oh, so this is what happened from those like nuggets of information. Then I can create the specifics around it. And I think then it fulfills more the writer's intention too. So if it's possible to include those uh, like pieces of exposition, like and seed it throughout the script or have it mentioned in conversation, that to me helps a lot. Moving to post-production, once you're wrap on set, how involved are you with what happens after? Usually not very. Now, the times that I've, in post, been working on a project again is mainly just doing ADR for a project. So I've done that for different TV shows and films. So if something sound-wise didn't work out, I've done that. And also, there was one project where, uh, with Keeping Up with the Joneses, with uh, Gal Gadot and John Hamm, in that particular project, another reason I did ADR was because they changed up some of the dialogue. Uh, so sometimes dialogue changes even in post. Were these reshoots or just dubbing? They did reshoot. I was originally supposed to reshoot and I was given reshoot dates, but I didn't end up reshooting. But it would be something like some a character says something, if I'm off screen, then we might change some of the things that I say off screen. Just take us through briefly, what exactly is ADR or dubbing and how does that work for you? How does it change your performance? Things like that. Sure. So I like to treat it as if I'm on set. The interesting challenge it presents is you are matching your own voice. So basically what happens, you go into like a sound booth and you have a big screen pulled up of your particular scenes that you're doing ADR work on. And so sometimes it has to do with like, you know, there is a plane, <laughs> that, like they need to re-record the audio. And so what happens is like you, you see the scene play out with you on the screen. And then when you start recording it, it's like, they, it goes beep, 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 like the, the little beeps before you start talking. And then you try to match your own voice <laughs> <laughs> and get into character that way. And so luckily you're matching your own voice. I did do ADR work on Pacific Rim and I had to do an Asian accent for one of the lead actresses who's Chinese. That was a lot more difficult because it wasn't my natural voice cadence. And so it was really having to get into both her character and her being in her character, if that makes oh. sense. So wow. I'm like, I'm playing a person playing a person. So it was like, it's like Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> playing another dude. So that was definitely more challenging than when I'm like dubbing my own. <laughs> Aside from breaking down the script, are there any other things that actors do to kind of get into the character? Yes. So something that I like to do a lot of is also outside in. So not only the emotional work, but just the physicality of a character. So things like what body part does this character lead with? Like, is this character that kind of like leans a little like, like with your head, like my head versus my hips versus like even the way a character walks for a lot of actors, actually, like the, the costuming and the wardrobe make plays a huge effect, especially the shoes, because Wearing different types of shoes makes such a big impact on how your body moves and your relationship to the world and moving around in the world. If the writer has little things they want to put in the script about like wardrobe or the way the person talks or walks like that really helps in terms of informing the character. And then in terms of each specific scene as an actor, I like to break down first instead of just my character, what is just the purpose of the scene? Like, and really being clear on that. So whatever nuggets of information that the writer can can drop so that we understand why the scene is in the script. And then from there, the choices emerge as opposed to like, well, I'm just going to make an interesting choice, <laughs> an interesting, uninformed choice. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
What has been your experience with editing as an actor, whether it's scenes cut or performances changed in the editing process? So I definitely had scenes end up on the editing floor and characters ending up on the editing floor, unfortunately. Mm. Like when I did Brazilian Isle, I played like a young mother who had just given birth and I ended up getting cut um, because of the time in the piece. And then with Spider-Man, I played a, a And a character named Gina, who was the assistant to Aunt May, so Marissa Tomei's character. And they cut, you know, the office scenes. And so, unfortunately, my role was cut. And anytime you're cut, it's a blow. <laughs> it's it's sad. But I'm always like, well, that means I can play another character in right. the Marvel Universe. Or I can play another character on the show. Mm -hmm. So I try to find a positive spin to it. What has been your experience of how your shows and characters have been received by the public? Have you had interactions with fans or haters or anything like that? <laughs> uh, yes, um, there's been, for, for the most part, I feel incredibly supported. And I'm very appreciative of the people and fans that have been so supportive. And so by, by far, like that's been what I've experienced. I do remember a funny comment that happened when I was a lot younger and I was shooting a film called Alice Upside Down. And I played Lucas Grabeel's girlfriend that he cheats on. And it's based on a novel. So it's based on a book series. And on IMDb, I like randomly looked up the message board one day and my character's name is Loretta. And so I'll post, someone put, you know, I always saw Loretta as a non-Asian. And I was like, What? wait, Well, I, I could understand you saying, hey, I could I could picture her as white or black or Hispanic or something. But I just found it so amusing that the person wrote non-Asian. So I was like, wow. wait, wait. So you picture them as anything but Asian. <laughs> so I found that. Weirdest comment. Right? I wasn't so much offended as just like surprised and like, what? <laughs> so um, that that's happened. Um, and I, I think... Whether you're a writer, actor, as people get to know you more, the haterade will naturally come. <laughs> and I like to see it as I've helped like coach friends through it where like, you know, someone say something awful and untrue about them. And like, it really, it, it's hard not to take personally, but I'm like, you know what? If you weren't making such an impact, then you wouldn't even have any haters. So having haters, I feel like is one step to seeing that you are on the right path and you are being successful. Haters gonna hate. <laughs> yep. Where can we see you next on TV or film? So I'm actually working on a horror comedy coming up. That's a feature. And then I have a couple projects in post right now. And I'm mainly focusing on auditioning, actually, at this point. And I'm really excited about this pilot season. And uh, what are your goals and aspirations for the future in your career? I would love to play a series regular role on, uh, like, A comedy so i love comedy and drama but like a smart kind of snarky character who maybe has too much confidence sometimes and gets herself into ridiculous situations i think that would be a really fun character to play in comedy and i would love to return to the marvel universe in a role that does not end up on the cutting floor <laughs> so a larger role that plays like a big part in the storyline so i i would love to be back into that universe because growing up i loved like superheroes and and uh, you did mention producing earlier do you ever see yourself doing something on the lines of like you know reese witherspoon that kind of thing starting your own company and fostering projects through that or do you think you're more focused on just the acting side of things 
I could definitely see myself moving in that direction. I've produced a little bit in the past, but I have yet to produce a project that I was in. And so that's something that I can definitely see in, ter- in terms of taking more creative control in my career. And I think there is such a great demand for that at this point. So I do see that in my future and like strong female characters. Like for me, I remember when they were casting Mulan, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many like similarities between like my life in weird ways mm-hmm. <laughs> and like Mulan's life. Having more of those characters out there would be great. And part of that, instead of me just hoping and wishing, it's about making it happen. And I think if you want something to happen, make it happen. All right, before we go, we got final questions. Okay. What are you watching on TV right now? Right now on TV, I'm watching Fresh Off the Boat. I'm watching The Good Doctor. I'm about to start watching The Good Place because I keep hearing wonderful things about it. I watch Shark Tank. (laughs) (laughs) Man, there's so much good TV on right now. It's ridiculous. All the shows. Right? Exactly. (laughs) All the shows. And do you have any advice to TV writers as an actor that you want them to kind of take away from all this? Especially as a writer, I imagine that, you know, I've never really been a creative writer, but it's awesome to see your work performed. And so I say, like, collaborate with actors. There's so many actors that want that work out that are so willing to table read your script. And so as a writer, I don't think it's that difficult to, if you just reach out, there's a lot of Facebook communities that are like actor groups. There's so many. And if you're like, Hey, you know, I would love to set up a table read. Here's the characters I'm looking for. And there's so many actors that will jump on that opportunity. And most of the time, like they won't need to get paid. They just want the opportunity to like play around with the script and get to meet you, the writer. And so I think there's a lot of potential collaboration and that that's very helpful for your work as a writer as well. That's great. Yeah. Table reads are so underrated for writers. (laughs) (laughs) And last question. Do you have any resources, be it podcasts, books, movies, whatever it is, for TV writers specifically to better understand acting or even resources for aspiring actors listening to us? In terms of resources, I would say a lot of resources for actors. So actors, they can check out careeractivate.com. There's a lot of free resources on there about breaking into the business, free tools, strategies, et cetera. Uh, For writers, um, some books that, especially like, let's say a comedy writer, um, there's a book called The Eight Characters of Comedy by Scott Sedita. And so I've taken classes with Scott and he's really broken down for an actor to digest like different types of characters of comedy. Are you guys familiar with his eight characters of comedy? No, I don't think I've read that. Sure. So there's like the in your own universe character. So kind of like the Phoebe Buffay of friends. (laughs) There's the materialistic bitch. There's the, like the straight character, uh, the dumb one. So kind of like archetypes that for me in comedy, it's been helpful to when going through like a particular comedy character I'm working on, like which of these archetypes does it kind of fit into and so as a tv comedy writer that could be a book that would be supportive i'm very open to people asking questions and if there's any follow-up questions from this um, you can just reach me at jonah shao so at j-o-n-a-x-i-a-o on facebook twitter and instagram all right well thanks to all our listeners for taking the time to tune in you can get all the show notes for this episode at paperteam.co slash 78 
And if you want to leave us a review, we would love that. So you can do it at paperteam.co slash iTunes. And all of those reviews are going to help us attract new listeners and cool people like you. And thanks again to our sponsor, the 2018 Tracking Board Launchpad Pilots Competition. Paperteam listeners can use the code PAPERTEAM, all caps, all one word, at the checkout to save $15 off their entry. You can learn more about all the Launchpad's current competitions and exclusive partners by visiting tblaunchpad.com. And as always, I'm on Twitter at TV Calling. I'm at underscore NJ Watson. Jonah? At Jonah Shao, J-O-N-A-X-I-A-O. If you have any thoughts, feedback, opinions about this episode, and anything else about TV earning, you can send those questions to ask at paperteam.co. And next week, we're going to do a little follow-up to one of our episodes from last year, TV Spec Script 201. Instead of 101, we're moving a step forward. And it'll be about choosing and researching the show you select to spec. I can see Alex salivating at the mic already. Ooh. He's such a big fan of spec scripts. I'm very excited. It's going to be him talking and me like yawning. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week with that. We'll see you then. <laughs>